what did me under was the obsession to try and control it. Mm. Um, and like the depression and, and just like the insecurity I had, it really was such a mental battle. And at the end I was so exhausted from trying to control and drink like a lady and like, you know, have an okay time drinking one or two glasses of wine or not needing to do, go do a bunch of drugs out at a party. It was, it was just too hard. And it was, I didn't talk about it. It was all inside my head. And it was, I just felt like I was, I had like lost the war. Like I really just gave up at the end. Um, but people didn't know that. So they were like, what do you mean? You're always so fun. And like, you're the life of the party and whatever. Um, and I was like, yeah, but inside I was a dead person. (laughs) Yeah. You just have to be more curious about the change than things just staying the same. What's the most fun thing you've done sober? I've gotten fucking weird at some weddings, dude. Like I have really, I'm a phenomenal (laughs) dancer (laughs) and the only person who thinks that is me, but I really have, I've had so much fun on the dance floor and I thought that that would never happen. You know, like when I first got sober, I remember like writing in my diary, like, well, here we are. The fun is over. Like I'm dead. (laughs) And I still have so much fun in sobriety. And it's so, it's like such a better fun because it's just you and the pure joy of like having a good time. You know, there's no stimulant making it happen. It's such a beautiful life and it's such an empowering life too. Like however way you want to do it, whether that's AA on your own with exercise and mindfulness or like all of the other amazing kind of recovery programs out there or with a therapist, whatever, it is so important to try, take a year off, you know, take two years off and see Mm -hmm. how it is. Just take a nice long break and give yourself the chance to see what life is like without these unhealthy coping mechanisms, because I think you'll be really, really surprised at how life can be so wonderful without kind of all of this messy stuff that just probably causes more harm than good. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome back to the fourth episode of Sober as Fuck, the podcast. I'm still your host, Casey, and I'm still sober. And today I have, oh, I'm so excited for you guys. To hear this episode, I interviewed my my dear friend Sky. Sky is actually the first woman my age that I met who was sober, and uh, we met at a meeting. And I walked in and I saw this gorgeous blonde sitting there in the room, and I was like, she looks like someone I would want to be friends with. I should sit next to her because I literally thought again there was nobody my age that was going to be getting sober. And Sky gave me her phone number. And she texted me about all these great apps that I could download to help me with my sobriety. And that was my like second day of sobriety. And uh, little did I know this would become a very close friend of mine uh, who also shares my birthday, March 2nd, and who is also a Jersey girl. So the stars really aligned for us. I adore her. She has such wonderful wisdom. And Sky gives like the most honest and inspiring answers. We're going to talk about it all. We're going to run through all the questions and I'm so excited for you to hear what she has to say. Anyway, without any further ado, I'm going to hand it over to my dear friend, Sky. My 
My name is Sky. I'm 32. Um, I'm a Jersey girl, like Case. I'm yes. from a lovely little town called Far Hills, <laughs> New Jersey, and I've lived in LA for about eight years now. Um, I have three years of sobriety, and it's absolutely incredible. And if you had told me three and a half years ago that I'd be on a sober podcast, I would have like <laughs> probably. I don't even know what I would have said, but um, <laughs> I'm so glad I'm here today with you. And I'm just, I'm really, really honored. So thank you. If you had told me that I was doing a sober podcast, I would have been like, lame. <laughs> totally. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so weird to think about. I remember my first like two few weeks in sobriety. Um, I was talking to this girl and she was like, do you want to go get tacos? And I was like, what? She was, yeah, she's like tacos. I'm like without margaritas. Like, what does that even mean? And she's like, yeah, we can just like grab you know tacos and a soda. And I was like, no, thank you. It's so just hard to imagine like this life, and it's just crazy. That's so funny. Yeah, like what's the point with what's no marks? Like, why would I do that? <laughs> and like talking to someone without alcohol know, is like exactly. so mind blowing. Well, it was unfa- yeah. it was really unfathomable. Sometimes it wasn't a part of my social life, so. Didn't yeah. know how to not do it. What are three words that you would use to describe your first year of sobriety? <laughs> um, <laughs> brutal and life changing and eye opening. You know, sobriety is hard. It's otherwise a lot more people I think would be doing it, but it's so worth it. Oh my gosh, it's so worth it. What are three words that you would use to describe your sobriety today? What comes to mind is a work in progress, you know, but also I would just say healing and messy and beautiful. It's progress, not perfection. What do you like the most about your sober self? I was thinking about this earlier, but I really, I really appreciate how brave I am. Getting sober takes so much courage and my friend in sobriety says, well, you know how we always say like, oh, that takes balls, but she was like, it takes ovaries <laughs> like that takes I ovaries that. to do um but I really yeah I mean I just I feel like I have I'm such a brave person for being able to kind of navigate this world without escaping with drugs and alcohol and I'm just so so proud of myself um and I feel like because of all the work that we do on ourselves in sobriety and mm-hmm. you know the spirituality we found which helps us become you know so so happy in sobriety for for the most part I, um, I think I've become like quite insightful and it's, I've just like heard so much wisdom and my friend who was my Eskimo, who, you know, if you don't know what an Eskimo is, it's kind of the person who introduces you to sobriety or is kind of a pillar of sobriety to you. She was like, when you get sober, it's like becoming a magic wizard because (laughs) you just learn things that other people just will not learn in their lifetime because you are just so present and the work that you do on yourself the work that you are capable of doing on yourself, I guess, is just so incredible and, and magical. If someone had told me in like my early 20s that I would be like a magical wizard I if know. I got sober, I'd I be know. like, that's awesome. In my third year of sobriety, I'm really into like fairies right now. And I'm yes. just like really trying to <laughs> emulate that vibe. It's so true. I go through my like little magical phases of yeah. things. When I was drinking, I felt so moody and like edgy and badass. And mm-hmm. now I'm like rainbows and sparkles yes. and glitter and like I'm magical. I totally relate to that. I was always so self-deprecating and pessimistic 
lipstick and now mm-hmm. I'm like obsessed with unicorns and I have glitter everywhere and I'm just <laughs> totally into this like more feminine side of myself that feels like very young and and girly and sweet there's that mm-hmm. that phrase um that you know when you get sober it's you know we were reborn yeah reborn and it's true like that's why you know early sobriety you kind of feel like a newborn baby because you're just like mm-hmm what is going on and you just kind of fall back into your 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 youthful self and you're really figuring out who you are and what you actually like and it's such a journey what's one thing you would want to tell sober you on her first day of sobriety Mm. I would tell sober sky that you oh man I would tell her that you you will love this one day You do not love it now, but you will love your sobriety. And the way that you come to feel about yourself will be so much more important and so worth all of the pain and all of the hardship. Like, you know, like sobriety is not, it's still hard for me. Like I still, Mm -hmm. you know, want to go out and get crazy and escape and party and do drugs sometimes. But I, I just really, really care about myself. And I know that those things aren't good for me. And, you know, I, I just would rather have me. Yeah. Even though it's hard. The self-esteem that it builds over time to just like stick with it, even when it sucks is just incredible. It really is the self-esteem. It's like Mm -hmm. you're filling your self-esteem cup. I mean, they say, you know, esteemable acts build self-esteem. So every time you say no, every time you say yes, like what, what's good for you, it, Mm -hmm. it just builds that self-confidence and it, it feels good. How have your career and ambitions changed in sobriety? I like this question for you. I do too. <laughs> I, I mean, man, this is like the biggest, one of the biggest parts of my journey so far. I mean, I was in, you know, the entertainment PR marketing kind of world for eight years or so before I got sober. And I would say a few months into sobriety, I applied to grad school and got in um, to this wonderful program and LA and I'm, you know, becoming a therapist. I've just completely done a 180. And I mean, the idea that I am getting my master's in September actually blows my mind and might be even more just crazy than me getting sober. I just like, I was a horrible student. I mean, not horrible, but I just, I was, I had a really hard time being a student when I was little. I have learning disorders like dyslexia and auditory processing disorder. And, you know, I just had really, really low self-esteem in school and I would have never, ever thought I could get into a grad school. And, you know, I just completely changed my career and it's, it's really because of sobriety. You know, I, there's no shot. I wouldn't be able to go to school, study on the weekends, like do homework late at night after working a long day. And, you know, just like showing up for myself because if I was drinking and doing drugs, there's just no way. And I just like have become so productive and so ambitious and it's the coolest thing ever. So I would say to anyone who is like thinking about sobriety, like your career and dreams, the potential of them just getting like so much bigger and crazier and cooler than you ever could have imagined. I'm like shocked that I'm here. It's, it's the coolest thing ever. I was talking to my mom about what I wanted to do because I was really unhappy in entertainment. It was like yeah. the, the stuff I was doing was like felt really soul sucking and it was just mm-hmm. not, not my thing. And I don't know if she said it or I said it, but I was like, what about grad school? And then I immediately thought there's no way you can get into grad school. Like that's not your plan. And then my mom was super sweet one day we were talking on the beach and we were talking again about my career and 
she was like, you're really good with people. What if you, you know, became a social worker or something? It's something I always like thought I would want to do becoming a therapist, but I never Mm -hmm. thought I had like, I really could pull it off. I didn't have the confidence. Then I got into sobriety and all my incredible work in AA. And I just was like, I really want to be of service to people professionally and like as much as I can. And, and it just like all it all unfolded. And it was funny because I was trying to get into other careers. Like I was trying to do comedy. I was trying to get further into marketing and Mm -hmm. it just like, wasn't working. You know, I just, I wasn't getting interviews. Like I would get a, you know, I would, something came close and it would go away and it just, Mm -hmm. I wasn't meant to go there. And then as soon as I decided that I wanted to become a therapist, everything opened up, the road just opened. It was so interesting. So many of us in early sobriety have a lot of debt from our drinking and using days. Do you have any advice for women listening who are afraid to even open their mail or check their credit card statements? It's just one day at a time and one item at a time. Like I've got, I, money is very triggering for me and Mm -hmm. I am a mess with money and it's a part of my disease. You know, like I always want more. It's never enough, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And so I've just gotten really, really organized about my finances I have created a really intense budget for myself. I have this Excel grid that I check almost every day to make sure that I'm on track. You know, I really try to organize my bills and make sure everything is being paid on time. If it's not, you know, I try my best to set up like small increments of a payment plan or something. But I would just say it's all so overwhelming, but like everything, we can get through it one day at a time, one chunk at a time. And there's also so many amazing women out there right now who are like coaches or working on, you know, have an amazing social media platform who are helping women organize their finances. I just highly suggest asking for help and, and seeking, you know, other women who are in the same boat as you because you're not alone and, and you can get through it. What's it like going out with your friends when you're sober? Hmm. These, that's the good one. I, you know, for the most part, it's okay, but sometimes it's, it's still really hard for me. And mm-hmm. what I've learned to do is set really strict boundaries, boundaries with myself. So, you know, I'm all down for a good party for like two or three hours. And then I'm probably kind of leaving. Um, yeah. because it's either, you know, everyone's drunk and loud or I'm getting triggered or like, I'm, you know, craving cigarettes or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I do. I can definitely go out and have a good time. I just still have to be a little careful and I'm, I'm still working on it. But for the most part, I can totally go out and be myself and be around alcohol. And, um, you know, I've, I've been around drugs and stuff and I, I really have learned to take care of myself in those moments. I had to just know, like, I'm going to be around people drinking Mm -hmm. and like, I'm going to get my, like, if we're going out to bars, like, I'm going to get myself a hot chocolate from somewhere. Oh, yeah. Do me. (laughs) But Shirley Temples all day. Shirley Temples are so good. (laughs) They are so good. And you know what the best part is? Since I'll get a Shirley Temple when I'm out and my friends are all trying to drink it because their drink tastes like shit. And I'm like, yep. That's right. (laughs) That's right, bitches. Mm-hmm. Shirley Temple is where it's at. I also like love virgin pina coladas. Oh it's God, like, yes. oh, I'm all about so the cocktails in like a cute little glass. And it's, it's my jam. Someone I know always has a diet Coke and yes. a wine glass with a lemon wedge. I I'm love like, it. I love that. <laughs> I'm still so bougie. So if I can't have rosé, I'm going to have like some ridiculous spritzer. <laughs> yes. So it doesn't bother me to like do something in 
a wine glass. Yeah, I know it can be triggering mm-hmm. for some people, but yeah, I feel the same way. It's fun. And if it can be fun for you, like, why not have fun with it? Have you been single in sobriety? And what are the pros and cons of being sober and single? Mm. So I have the most incredible boyfriend partner, but we, so we were dating when I first got sober and he was unbelievable and so, so sweet and supportive. Then I lost my mind as one usually does in early <laughs> sobriety. And it was, I just, you know, I was doubting us and I couldn't really be in the relationship while I did the work on myself. So I ended up, so I broke up with him um, mm-hmm. and I was single for a few months in early sobriety and we ended up getting back together and we've been together, you know, for a few years ever since. And it's great. But I will say those, those few months that I was sober, I was really single in the way where I was like really, really on my own. I was not, you mm-hmm. know, focused on guys or dating at all. I was, you know, I'm, I'm a proud member of Alcoholics Anonymous. I was doing the steps. I was at the beach, mm-hmm. like alone, like reading and, and meditating. Oh. And just like, I was really, I was really, really by myself and with my higher power and, you know, focusing on my spirituality and, and staying sane and sober. And it was hard and lonely, but it was, mm-hmm. it was probably one of the best times of my life, like, because it was so life-changing. So, I mean, everyone, you know, does it differently if you're single and you're newly sober. Like sometimes it's recommended to, to stay, you know, just be on your own and focus on yourself. But um, you know, everyone's different and everyone has to figure out their own path. Um, but I will say I've done both and they, you know, they've both been, been wonderful for me in different ways. Oh, wow. I really do see you on the beach, just like meditating with your like beautiful <laughs> blonde hair blowing in the wind, I was like so having a moment. <laughs> so tan, so blonde, so depressed, so scared. But it was the best thing for me because I really did it by myself. You know, like I was leaning on Ty a lot, my boyfriend mm-hmm. as a crutch, you know, and, and I no longer had my own crutch. Like, you know, drugs and alcohol were there for us when we were happy, when we were sad, when we were celebrating, when we were scared. And I was so alone in my body and in my mind and in my program that I just like had to, I don't know, just deal and live and, and take it one step at a time and my, on my own. So I really do recommend it. Um, even though it's painful and, and lonely sometimes like being single and early sobriety is really good for us. What are the perks of sober sex? <laughs> this one <laughs> makes me laugh. And my answer is when I find out, I'll let you know, <laughs> <laughs> because I'm not going to lie. Sober sex is hard for me. Yeah. And, um, thank God I have a partner who's so open and honest and willing to work on things with me. And, um, you know, like, we're still figuring out what that looks like for us because Mm -hmm. I was, you know, when you're in a sober relationship or, I mean, my partner drinks, but I don't, um, Mm -hmm. but you know, it's, you know, when things get a little stale or you need to spice it up or, you know, have sex or something, there's, you can smoke a little weed or, you know, go out and get cocktails or like have a bottle of wine to, you know, make it just a little bit more free. And, and it's hard for me. I get really in my head, you know, in sober sex. So it is something I'm working on. What I do love about it is that I'm, I'm here, I'm present and I'm faithful and I'm, you know, I'm really committed to my partner and Mm -hmm. I'm not off like cheating or wandering or, you know, sleeping with the wrong person, which are all things I've done, um, Mm -hmm. you know, in my past and in my drinking. So I really, I'm just so grateful that I'm, um, I just like feel like a a good person in my life these days. I don't know if that makes sense, but 
Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm still working on all of the good stuff, but it, it's definitely, it's like, like, like everything, it's a work in progress. Sex and alcoholism. They just, for me, they really went hand in hand. Like it was what made me comfortable and it was what took me out of myself. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, that's, I think that's kind of all that I was looking for when I was drinking and using, right. was to get out of my own head and without a drug, I'm, it's like, it's me. Like, yeah, totally. I'm, I'm there. Yeah, it's me. just me. And my body. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. yeah, totally. And I was, of course, like a big pot smoker. So yeah. it's just like, oh, it's really like, I'm really here and it's present. It's not easy. It's <laughs> it can not. be really, it can be really like, yeah, it's just like scary in some ways to feel, I don't know, vulnerable or whatever. And yeah. I found that yeah, like I found, I'll probably talk about this at our own meeting today, but like, and maybe I'll cut this out, but like, I recently like wanted to get, um, lingerie, but what I found was like, when I got the lingerie, it made me feel different. Yeah. Like it flipped a switch or something for me. He, he sees me differently. I see me differently. It kind of gets me, I don't know. It just, it felt like I got to be outside of myself. And I think that's, you know, the, what I'd been seeking all those years yes, with absolutely. drugs and alcohol. What are annoying questions you get about not drinking and how do you respond? I definitely hear a lot of people love to tell me about their own drinking stuff. You know, whether it's, you know, an insecurity, people feel talking to someone who's sober or what, but people will just be like, oh yeah, well, like I'm working on my drinking or the opposite of like, oh, well, my drinking is in a really good place. So I'm just like, okay, like whatever. (laughs) So it's really interesting. Um, what people will say to you when they find out that you're sober. But for the most part, I do get um, a lot of like really supportive, um, nice, curious questions because I think everyone has some kind of complicated relationship with their drinking. For the most part, it's it's a lot of curiosity and kindness and like, how is it for you and all of that good stuff. What's the most risky thing you've done in sobriety? this is a good thing and a bad thing, but now I feel like a a good girl, you know, which sometimes I resent because I just want to be bad and be naughty and be like, you know, feel Mm -hmm. like alive sometimes, but I've gotten a few tattoos, which is fun. And you have, Oh yeah. And now it's like a new addiction. (laughs) I love it. Um, so that's fun. My mom hates it obviously. Um, (laughs) but I don't know. I, I would say the tats are fun and kind of risky. Um, I went to like Harry Potter world and that was risky. (laughs) I'm more kind of into this like little Buddha vibe these days. (laughs) I really, I really see that for you. And I really (laughs) think it's a good look. I like it a lot. (laughs) Although I do miss, I do miss the risky stuff too. I'm sure there'll be more to come. Some of my favorite stories are hearing about how nuts people get in their sobriety. So yeah, stay tuned. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do your friends know you're sober? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Friends and family all know I'm sober. I'm very open about my sobriety. Some people aren't. Some people are very private, which makes total sense and to each their own. But for me, um, you know, I'm just, like I said, I'm so proud of myself. And I feel like it's become such a big part about me that I really Mm -hmm. just want to kind of own it and and be like a proud, sober woman. And I also really enjoy helping people. you know, who are either questioning their own drinking or who have a family member or friend who's having a hard time with their drinking. I really kind of like being an open voice about it because, you know, there is such a stigma sometimes. And, you know, I had a big bottom with drugs and a, and a smaller, more quiet bottom with drinking where mm-hmm. a lot, when I, when I got sober, some people were like pretty 
understandable, but some people were really caught off guard because they didn't think I had a problem because a lot of it was so in my head. Um, So I also kind of like being um, maybe like an example of, you know, someone who quote unquote hasn't lost it all and because of their drinking and to kind of show that, you know, drinking problems come in all different shapes, sizes, colors, because Mm -hmm. it really just looks differently to everyone. Um, So I think it's important for people to know that, you know, alcoholics don't just have to be um, a, you know, homeless person laying on a bench or like waking up and drinking vodka. Like a lot of people struggle with their drinking, um, even if they're quote unquote, you know, I don't like, I don't want to say the world normal because that's not it at all, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, functioning and have a job and, and, you know, look, look okay on the outside. Let's say that. What's the hardest thing you've had to face sober? I come from a really, really big drinking family. Like we're the party family and it's how we connect. It's how we bond. And I will say it has been very difficult at times to be around the family party scene without a drink in my hand. Um, and there have been yeah. times where I feel like really left out, like there's something wrong with me, like I'm the loser big sister now, or that like, mm-hmm. you know, my mind goes to like, my parents don't love me as much, you know, just whatever, yeah. whatever the thought is. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's hard because, you know, family dynamics change. If, if one person kind of changes their role or whatever it is, um, the dynamic can change. So, and that is uncomfortable and it can be, you know, you have to grieve that a little bit. So I will say that. And also travel can be difficult sober. You know, I used Mm -hmm. like going to Hawaii and not having a Mai Tai, like, are you kidding me? That was so sad. Um, (laughs) and you know, like where else? Oh my God. I went to Rome to visit my little brother. The first, I think my eighth month of sobriety, I was like not drinking wine in Italy was just blew my mind. I was like, what am I doing here? (laughs) And that was really triggering, you know, not having a drink on the airplane or whatever it is. It just travel is so sexy and exciting. And, you know, so much of travel feels like an escape. So Mm -hmm. a big escape, you know, is having a drink or 10. So, um, that was hard too, but I will say now, um, as I get more used to traveling sober, um, I'm also, obviously a lot more present. I'm not as grumpy mm-hmm. and hungover and yeah. I get to really be like to connect with different places in a really beautiful spiritual way that I never would have before. I really romanticized it too. You know, like yes. I loved like the big fancy like bottle of rosé or like the gorgeous glass of red wine with a cigarette. Like it was so, mm-hmm. you know, dark and romantic in my head and it looked really beautiful and sexy and bougie or whatever it was, but it wasn't always like that. It usually wasn't, you know, it was, there was a ton of obsession. There was really insecure feelings. Um, There was a lot of resentment or, you know, judgment or X, Y, and Z. I mean, it's like a lifetime thing that we're embarking on here with our sobriety. There's just so many, so many memories associated with it. So many um, like thoughts about our future associated with it. Oh my God, totally. I forget how bored I was sometimes when I was drinking, you know, and that I would just like, I would have, what happened for me towards the end of my drinking was like, I just honestly stopped feeling anything when I would drink. Mm -hmm. And like, I would be through, you know, a whole bottle of wine and just be like, okay, like now I'm tired and I feel bloated. And like now I'm going to go like work out at the gym for, you know, it really triggered my eating disorder. Mm -hmm. So I'd like go try to like run on a treadmill or some shit. Like it was just the, you know, the, the cycle of like wandering nowhere is what it felt like. And yet I'll still be like, but 
a glass of wine, like <laughs> as the sun is I setting, know, it's like totally. oh, bullshit. <laughs> it's bullshit. You just have to be more curious about the change than things just staying the same. What are you focusing on in your sobriety today? My my body image. I'm really looking at like the social construct of things and yeah. what it looks like for me actually to let go of the beauty standards that I have followed mm-hmm. my entire life. Like, what if I didn't have a flat stomach at the beach? What if I was a size 12? Like, mm-hmm. just really, really wondering, um, you know, like how I can be happier in my own skin because dude, I mean, I know that, you know, and we're doing all yeah. work on this together, but the, the obsession I have with my body and the need to be thinner or smaller mm-hmm. or whatever, prettier, sexier to someone else. Like it is just as bad, if not worse sometimes than the alcohol obsession. So yeah. this is really my next kind of chapter, I think is like really, really loving myself and the way I look and like really appreciating my body and what it does for me instead of constantly wishing that it was different. What's the dumbest thing you've done sober? Trying to hold on to people that were in my past that aren't really meant to come into my future. And there's a lot of grief and hardship with that, you know, and like so much, so many good intentions. And um, I don't know, just like a lot of growing up to do with setting boundaries with people. What's the most fun thing you've done sober? Oh my God. I don't know. I honestly like, I really laugh a lot in sobriety, especially with my, with my boyfriend. He is such a goofball. And I swear, I don't even know if I can be with anyone else in sobriety because I need to be constantly entertained and thank God he's (laughs) like a stand-up comedy show. But, um, I'm lucky to have that, but I, I've gotten fucking weird at some weddings, dude. Like I have really, I'm a phenomenal (laughs) dancer. And the only person who thinks that is me, but I really have, I've had so much fun on the dance floor and I thought that that would never happen. You know, like when I first got sober, I remember like writing in my diary, like, well, here we are. The fun is over. Like I'm dead (laughs) and I still have so much fun in sobriety. And it's so, it's like such a better fun because it's just you and the pure joy of like having a good time. You know, there's no stimulant making it happen. Um, So that's been really cool to see is just how much fun I can still have partying and dancing. Oh yeah. Oh, I love that. That's so sweet. We also still need to do our dance party (gasps) slash go to a rave. I know. Our sober girls. Our sober girl rave. I really want it. I do. We all have our like um, e-cigs or like whatever (laughs) e-cig we're trying to quit or whatever it is. I take Mike's big vape with me. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Actually on that note, what sober addictions do you have? Oh my God. Well, still working on the cigs, unfortunately. Hmm. But I will say, um, what else? I love my Topo Chico. Um, yes. I'm a big kombucha drinker. Not everyone is in sobriety, but it feels, you know, okay and safe to me. I love my kombucha. Mm-hmm. And honestly, Shake Shack has been a lifesaver for me in sobriety. Yes. And I'm always in a good TV show. I've always got a good kind of self-help or like spiritual feel-good book on my nightstand. And mm-hmm. Any kind of fancy body lotion or oil, like any outrageous self-care thing, I'm, I've am i probably purchased it. I'm so into it. Me I love too. it. I love, I'm like, oh, this lavender thing will cure all my problems. And it does. And it really. does for a moment or a day. <laughs> like five seconds. Five seconds. Like um, everything else, right? 
like everything else. But that's a perfect segue to my next question, which is what do you do for your skincare? Because I feel like that's oh, yes. my big sober obsession. Oh my God. <laughs> so 32 has been my skincare obsession year too. I yes. currently, okay. So I've learned how important sunscreen is, which is new for me because I used to put SPF eight on my face so I could keep be as tan as possible. <laughs> so I'm really trying to use sunscreen for the first time and really obsessed with retinol. Got to slather that shit on there and um, a good face oil, a good, I don't know, vitamin C antioxidant thing. But I'm really obsessed with my skincare routine right now. It feels really good to take care of my skin. And I'm really trying not to pick at my skin, which is really hard because that can be kind of like a boredom obsession addiction. So I'm really trying to be be kind to my body. Wow. We are really March 2nd babies because I pick my fucking skin Dude, all the goddamn right? time. Oh, it's such an addiction. And then it's I'm just such like, such an addiction. Ugh. And it's, it's like, so I've been hard. reading all these articles about like how your skin is an organ and like you wouldn't pick or poke at any other organ. And I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but honestly, I might pick at that organ if it was on my face. I know. <laughs> what is one thing about sobriety that you want every newly sober woman to know? If you are newly getting sober... I will say, or I've been interested or anything. Um, It is, it's such a beautiful life and it's such an empowering life too. Like however way you want to do it, whether that's AA on your own with exercise and mindfulness or like all of the other amazing kind of recovery programs out there or with a therapist, whatever, it is so important to try, take a year off, you know, take two years off and see Mm -hmm. how it is. Just take a nice long break and give yourself the chance to see what life is like without these unhealthy coping mechanisms. Because I think you'll be really, really surprised at how life can be so wonderful without kind of all of this messy stuff that just probably causes more harm than good. You said the thing that you like the most about your sober self is like your bravery. And Mm. I find that, you know, I, dear listeners, I get this (laughs) wonderful message in my inbox from Sky every, do you do it every month or every other week? Yeah, it used to be every week. And then it went to every other week. And Mm. then it goes to every third week. I just, you know, my life has gotten so big and busy in sobriety that I used to, you know, it just kind of changes. But I love that though, because then I just get like, I just get a perfect message in my inbox in the morning where I'm like, oh my gosh, I needed this today. It's like she knew, but oh, it's such a good newsletter. And I think, I love that. I think it is, it's so brave of you to like share your wisdom with people in sobriety because it feels so, I mean, getting sober is a very brave thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And also like the, I think sort of the coming to terms with sobriety and then starting to feel like the openness of, oh, I can maybe share this with people because I feel like, or at least in my experience, I feel like, oh my gosh, these tools are like these, this life that I get to have, like I would, you know, you, I don't know, you just, you feel like you have a little bit more of something to offer than you did when you were drinking and using. And like, Absolutely. it's, it's weird finding that voice in the beginning because yeah. you're so disconnected from it. Or I was definitely. I felt oh that yeah. Way. I totally relate to that. And it's so true. I mean, again, I've, I said this earlier, but I used to be so pessimistic and self, self I mean, I'm still very self-deprecating, but just kind of like judgmental and kind of a bummer mm-hmm. sometimes. And, <laughs> you know, in sobriety, I kind of was just like, I love sharing I'm always sending people articles, like my boyfriend gets so many articles, that poor guy. But, you know, I just like love, you know, I love reading something and and being, you know, just 
so shook by it. And I just love passing it along. And I'm in a really, like, I think a year into sobriety, I was like, what if you just started sending this to your friends and family and like made it look really pretty? And oh. it just kind of took off. And now it's this big thing. And it's, um, it's just one of the coolest things I've ever done for myself. And it totally took ovaries. You know, I was so nervous. And I was like, I can't believe you're doing this. But why not, man? You know, where can I have people follow your newsletter? If you would like to sign up for my little newsletter, please just shoot me an email. Um, that is S-N-B-I-E-D-R-O-N at gmail.com. So that's S-N-B-D-R-O-N at gmail. That was like a beautiful, beautiful interview. I'm so excited for people to hear this. I'll oh, see you, you in like five seconds. Okay, I love you. <laughs> Bye. In 2020, the CDC released a report stating that overdose deaths accelerated during COVID-19. Over 81,000 drug overdose deaths occurred in the United States from May 2019 to May 2020, the highest number of overdose deaths recorded in a year. According to the CDC, between 2011 and 2015, an average of 95,158 people died of alcohol-related deaths and illnesses. The opinions expressed on this podcast do not represent AA or any other 12-step program as a whole. You may hear us refer to, quote, the program as shorthand for our personal experience in 12-step recovery programs, but this podcast does not promote or endorse any specific program of recovery. The sole purpose of these interviews is to show you that there is hope and that sobriety is not a death sentence. It's quite the opposite. <laughs>